0: This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Lady of the House Personal Shopping Service. Are you the wife of an MP who's right down the middle? Fancy a pre-walked mink coat? Or maybe a handbag? Try their newest service. They'll select the whole outfit for you. Like a day coat to go with your night gloves and tea time kerchief. Recommended by Maggie T of Westminster, all this at a snip of a round in about of 2,500 pounds. <laughs> Mr. Brandon, are you free? Uh, I'm free!
1: I'm,
0: I'm
1: free! and I'm Get your am free! i I'm about Are You Being Served? Hello, Unanimous.
0: Hello, Unanimous. Know, you can tell I had some tea on that one, didn't you? That free. super I, caffeinated. I did like a trill, A little bit of vibrato
1: going on. How are you doing, Mr. Brandon? I'm
0: well, Mr. Jeffrey. I'm, I'm well, thank you, thank you. Um, it's another week um, and a new season of Are You Being Served? And a I gotta say, this is like the last season,
1: but I'm not too sad, sad because
0: it's a great episode.
1: This is a great way to welcome us into season 10. And we also know unanimous this is not the end we have a whole bunch of specials coming up and then we've got are you being served again stroke race in favor to look forward to so
0: we'll get more about stroking
1: later <laughs> in the episode just a little bit hang on to your strokes nah. yeah we've heard a lot from our facebook fans haven't we mr brandon
0: not only yes we have indeed mr jeffrey but not only that um i'm not uh, slurping down the usual swill earl gray oh no Oh, I have pushed the boat out and gotten uh, twinings Earl Grey. And why do you think that might be,
1: Mr. Jeffrey? Because you're too poor to afford PG tips? <laughs> no,
0: because we've been having <laughs> oodles and oodles of sales out of our uh, bargain <laughs> basement. That's right. I'm free.threadless.com. Um, so thanks for everyone buying our loot. Um, our elves have been working overtime, but, you know, they like it. They don't mind
1: we able to get all that merch out of our silo in northern Mississippi and ship it out to all of our fans across the country. We haven't had any international orders yet. If you're international and you're interested in buying some merch, but the shipping is like insane. um, Let us know. Maybe we'll see what we could do about it. Yeah, we'll, goes,
0: we'll go down to Chuck at the mailbox in um, northern Chuck. Mississippi. <laughs> you know, Chuck's a nice... If you bring him a Twinkie, he'll do things. He'll pull levers and push buttons for you. So.
1: I, I've heard that about Chuck.
0: Everyone's <laughs> heard that about Chuck. I mean, come on. Uh, so, yes, we have heard from the unanimous. Uh, who might that be, Mr. Jeff?
1: So we've got a bunch of new Facebook fans with Dallas, Jeanette, Martha, Mahala, Terry, Mark, Mr. Christopher from The Hold Up... Finally liked our Facebook page. Oh. Um, Annabelle, Edward, Victoria, Christina, and Stephanie, you've all done very well. Oh, you
0: mean Mr. Christopher from the Hold Up episode, the special guest star from Madam Con.
1: Yes. Oh, well, hello,
0: Mr. Christopher. We (laughs) missed you. How are you doing? Um, And we also heard from a special uh, super fan um, in uh, Facebook world, Mr. Rob who um, he might have had a pitchfork and a, a torch while he wrote it. I don't think he did. He was just passionate, sometimes unanimous.
1: It's hard to tell passionate from maniacal,
0: war-raging. Right. No, just kidding there. But So uh, th-
1: we think he's a new fan because he's. I think he's listening to old episodes. He may be one of those new fans that's starting from the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> uh, he, um, he called us out on missing a joke, in season three episode, Coffee Morning.
0: But, you know, we, uh, a culpa, Mr. Rob, uh, we don't actually think you're a maniacal, war-raging person, um, but no, you are absolutely right. So the joke was, um, Mr. Captain, excuse me, Captain Peacock, uh, was announcing a new method of making meetings more efficient by making acronyms out of everyday words you hear often. So instead of saying... Good morning, Mr. Jeff. How are you? I might say G-M-M-J-H-A-Y.
1: He was reading the memo, right? Because the whole plot of Coffee Morning was that they were uh, they had to write down uh, when they left to go take their coffee break and everything, right? Yeah. So he's reading a memo that is written in that whole corporate speak where it's all initials. And, you know, from the DM stroke CR to the FW straight stroke LNGD stroke SP. And they're, they're getting confused with all of that. Oh, where was I again? Oh, you were just getting to the bit where you were stroking Cuthbert Rumbled,
0: right? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So we
1: didn't get into that joke. We, um, thank you for bringing it up.
0: Stroking. Yeah, we didn't. Maybe we just didn't want to hear the word anything about stroking Cuthbert Rumbled. Maybe that was, uh, I don't remember, I, but no, I you're absolutely right, Mr. Rob. So that was a great joke. And thanks for the message.
1: We also heard from Mr. Ben from London, who works out at Soho House White City, which used to be the old BBC television center. Does that mean
0: he's like working on the set and he might find like a, a brim steamer in the back room where the gym showers are?
1: So apparently, yeah, apparently the gym is in the basement where the dressing rooms used to be, because this is where they used to record um, and, and it used to be where broadcasting, um, where the, the news was broadcasted from before they moved it to uh, Maryland. Uh, and so what's there right now, in 2013, they tore it all down yeah. and they put up a shopping mall and a whole bunch of residential complexes. Um, and so he's working out right where John Inman might have been getting changed into his Tootsie uh, outfit. Um, <laughs> About 40 years ago.
0: That's so cool. Um, So, Ben, if you're, and thanks for the email and um, giving us a little peek into kind of hallowed ground almost. Um, Almost, yeah. It would be really cool if there's like a plaque or something or a placard. I do like a blue blue plaque.
1: A blue plaque. John Inman changes clothes here.
0: John Inman was changed into a red wig. Um, But it'd be cool if there'd be maybe a plaque or something, a placard, as you say there. Saying this is where XYZ was. I mean, I wonder, do you think that there's like an Are You Being Served blue I circle plaque? If
1: there's a, I wonder if there are Are You Being Served has a blue plaque anywhere. Um,
0: I think that I the mean, spot where Jeremy Lord did Oh, yeah. Maybe we need to start a letter writing. Does If anyone knows the MP for where Simpsons is in Piccadilly um maybe shoot us a message and we will get all of you people <laughs> to write we'll letters and include your torches and pick forks no 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 we won't do that <laughs> um but yes we think that there should be a plaque somewhere maybe simpsons maybe where mr ben works out i don't know maybe interesting ideas yeah so that was cool and we had a really lot of cool uh feedback from the last episode where we heard from All of our unanimous friends leaving voicemails at the Peacock Hotline, so thank you for that. So everyone really liked listening to the fans. It was kind of cool.
1: Yep. And so take this as your reminder to please wear a mask, wash your hands, and as always, Black Black Lives lives Matter.
0: Matter. And you've all done very well. Yeah. Hooray. So what the hell are we doing this time, Mr. Jeff?
1: We are talking about Series 10, Episode 1, Goodbye, Mrs. Slocum. And this originally premiered on February 18th, 1985. And that week in the news at the top of the Billboard 100 chart in the States was Careless Whisper by Wham. Guilty feet have got no rhythm. There you go. I'm glad you recognize the song. Um, And then at the top of the UK singles chart was I Knew Him So Well by Elaine Page and Barbara Dixon. I had no idea what this song was. Isn't Barbara
0: Dixon the like, welcome to my home?
1: No, oh, that's, that's Brenda uh, Dixon. That's Brenda Dixon, but that's popularized by the, Devin Gre- De- the comedian Devin Green, who overdubbed it. Well, hello. A-
0: <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I know Chess was a Broadway show or maybe West no. End show. I don't yeah. think it was in Broadway. Who knows? No, um, it was.
1: It was in Broadway. Yeah, so the song is from the musical Chess, uh, written by uh, Benny and Bjorn from ABBA. Oh, uh, Interesting. And the pop song that I think is more well known from Chess is "One Night in Bangkok," because like, that's one of those one-hit wonder '80s kind of songs. That's from that's from the same. Music I think
0: that's one. a Gary yeah. Glitter song as well.
1: No, I'm joking. <laughs> sorry.
0: <laughs> um, speaking of ABBA, just a little <laughs> aside. Now this is the um, uh, that does suit ABBA podcast. Now, um, did you see that they have a new album coming out and a tour, and that they're going to be like? Re- redesigned younger versions of themselves in the concert
1: in I London. did. I, I did see that they were coming out with a new album. I haven't listened to any of the singles yet, um, but I think it's pretty exciting because this was one of those bands that had not so much a bad breakup like Olive Fleetwood Mac, mm. but pretty well known when they decided to end things, right? Um, because yeah. Agne- Agnita, basically, not she became a recluse, you know, not... Like, agoraphobic but she was like no I don't want to be in the spotlight anymore I just want to live a normal life and that was you know pretty much the end of the band um, whereas you know Benny and Bjorn went on to do things like write chess and etc um,
0: but it's cool they, they have a concert and um, a friend of mine in London on Facebook was saying that he's got tickets because they're building a special theater in that's T-H-E-A-T-R-E thank you <laughs> um, thank you it's going to be a computer hologram projected thing where you don't see people but the original people from Abba got on one of those like blue screen dot suits.
1: Oh. Yeah, okay.
0: and they like like skin tight and they perform the actions and then the computer takes the dots on the suits. And then can make them digital characters,
1: so it superimposes like the younger version. Exactly, and um, like okay. so it's
0: like they it is them. It's just they're looking younger than they do today. But I really I, I could see a lot of people saying that's ridiculous. But I bet if you go and if they're building a theater, and I would love to see it. So it would be cool um, just to experience it. But I know that um, there was a Michael Jackson show and. Uh, Tupac Shakur thing Whitney where there's Houston like, I think they've Whitney, done the yeah, holograms Whitney Houston, as, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's kind of cool I think it's
1: kind of yeah cool. I mean it's going to be great to see the, like this kind of hologram show with people who are still alive you know so yeah. it's not like it's not that kind of like bittersweet memory but of course I it mean, makes it,
0: me think could we do an are you being served like live action thing like I, I think know.
1: we'll need to sell a few more tote bags before we well, can get that's,
0: uh, it's up to you, Unanimous. So, uh, <laughs> you know, our
1: plight is in your hands.
0: <laughs> no, but seriously, we appreciate everyone's support. Yeah.
1: So. Elsewhere in the news, um, I'm turning over a new leaf for this. New, it's my new season's resolution. Okay. So, uh, I've in the past, I've been accused of being too morose with my news.
0: Accused is a weak word, but go on.
1: <laughs> so, I am trying... Just for the news segment to be more of a good vibes only. Every other and... segment, it's, it's all <laughs> hell and gloom, but <laughs> well, the we'll news is good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Brian Boitano won the U.S. Men's Figure Skating Championship that oh, week. that's good. Um, and the theme from New York, New York had become the official song of New York City. Okay. And while the Frank Sinatra version is probably the most well-known of it... It was originally performed by Liza Minnelli for the film New York, New York. But she had three very memorable performances of it. And we're going to play a quick game of one of these things is not like the other.
0: Okay, hold on. And I, I have hold- a question. So Frank Sinatra is well known for the song, but you're saying Liza Minnelli did it first? Yes. I didn't know that. Oh, that's interesting. Because yeah. when you think yeah. of that song, you instantly hear
1: Frank Sinatra's there voice. There are, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. So
1: So there's a game. I like it. So there's a game, right? Let's do it. It's one, of the, one of these things is not like the others.
0: Okay. I and guess I'm the go- player because there's no one else on the podcast. You're the contestant. That's okay, good. Right. Okay,
1: good. And so we're going to talk about the three, um, the three famous performances where Liza Minnelli sang the theme from New York, New York Live. Okay. And you have to tell me which one of these things is not like the other.
0: <laughs> I have okay? not peeked at the answer, but go on.
1: Okay. So the first is the Statue of Liberty Rededication in 1986.
0: Okay, so that did happen. So she could have been there and sang it. Okay.
1: Okay. The second is the first Mets baseball game after 9-11. The one where Mike Piazza hit the eighth inning home run and won the game over Atlanta.
0: Oh, that's quite butch of you, Jeff. I'm very proud. Good for you. Okay. And the 1984
1: Los Angeles Olympics. (gasps) (laughs) Well...
0: (laughs) Um, Los Angeles isn't the long-lost neighborhood in Brooklyn. I've never heard of. That's what. That's
1: exactly right. Like, why <laughs> was she singing "New York, New York" at the LA Olympics? <laughs> I just flew in from New York, and I'm not even sure where I
0: am anymore. But
1: <laughs> you're all a great crowd, and we really appreciate you. That was my Liza. Maybe she didn't know where she was. Maybe that's quite possible. Or her handler.
0: That's kind of weird. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Love, uh, love, love some Liza.
1: And then finally that week in the news, the price of a US postage stamp increased from 20 cents to 22 cents. Well, that's a
0: negative, but okay, that's not too if it was a buck 40, that would have been kind of a different thing, but
1: I have no idea how much a postage stamp even costs now. Is it like 55 cents?
0: Oh, I have no idea. Right. What's a postage stamp? Is it like, I don't know. Right, Do exactly. Oh god. Okay, so all right. Nineteen eighty. Okay, we have to address the elephant in the room. Nineteen eighty-five. Yes. Last year. How much time was there between season nine and season ten?
1: Okay, so about almost two years because we finished season nine in May of nineteen eighty-three. So we fast-forwarded about two years, going back to that generation gap that divides me and Mr. Brandon because Mr. Young. Brandon is very young We're as you know. Let's just say that I very clearly remember 1985. Like, I can remember writing the year 1985 on my papers at school. Um, Unanimous fans, I was born in the era when Mr. Granger was still serving in the gentleman's department. Oh, my God. You shouldn't have put that out on the record.
0: (laughs) You know, it's interesting because Mr. uh, Ben said, the the one who's, you know, doing his lunges – where Mr. Humphreys might have done his as well. Right. Um, he says, I remember the season 10 shows being broadcast on the BBC. Yeah. So you're right. It's 1985. You know, People are kind of old enough to remember this. But it's interesting, too, because what was the last episode of season 9? What was that one? Uh, uh, lost and Found. Uh, oh, where Tittles was gone missing and all that. Because yeah. I remember our, our on the podcast, and you can go back and listen to it, um, we were saying, like, everyone's, like, everyone's family and friends, and it's all together, and, like, the outside forces, is kind of what the team goes against, not the in internal bickering. And now two years have gone by. So I guess in that two-year span, they thought, you know, like, we all have our own things going on, but someone must have gotten everyone together and said, hey, guys, let's do it one more time,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know. And it's going to be interesting to see season 10 to see – do you feel, like, do we feel as the audience that somehow that's sort of emulating through their performance or the writing or something? Yeah. You know, like, no. can, they, can you tell at the beginning of the season that this is going to be their last, and do they know
1: it? That's a really interesting thing to be on the lookout for, and I, I don't know if they necessarily did, but I think your idea of... Um, is the humor in the show going to be driven by co- internal conflict or external conflict between the the, the ladies and the gentlemen's department, mm. or the you know the juniors and the seniors, or, or the staff and management, or whatever?
0: Well, it was it was lost and found. The episode I remember where we talked about how they talked about the word family and love, and Miss Brom yeah. said, "You know, we love Missus Slocum," and, and yeah, it was very sweet. So I, I hope
1: that continues with season ten. Yep, and we can see um, pretty Im- immediately from the start that it does. Uh, we learn that Mrs. Slocum has been off sick for two weeks, and they're there to welcome her back, and Mr. Humphreys is getting her flowers to welcome her back, etc., et right?
0: But this time um, he doesn't say, we propose these flowers, because right. last time and he I got... I accept!
1: I accept! Right.
0: Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he learned his lesson. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, the flowers are wilted, because they um, he had to put them under his overcoat when he was coming in on the bus this morning. Um, because it happened to be the bus conductor's birthday and he didn't want them to think that uh, they were from him and <laughs> that he was making some kind of grand overture. How does he know that it's his bus conductor's birthday? Well, he's, like, he's,
0: he's, always, he's never met a stranger and he's always... That's, that's very Mr. Humphreys, I think. He's just friendly with everyone,
1: Yeah, if you know true. what I mean. That's true. Um, Mrs, Mrs. Slocum comes in they, and uh, they burst into song to welcome her back. And Can you do Mr. it? Mr. Humphreys... Um, no, I cannot. Can you? Hmm.
0: Good morning, Mrs. Slocum. We're sorry you've been ill. It's nice to have you back with us f- to stand, be- but
1: uh, to stand no, you can't behind
0: your till something. Yeah, till, something like till. that.
1: <laughs> oh well. Uh, and she remarks that her husband was the last one to give her those sort of flowers. And they remind him of, they remind her of him in more ways than one. In more ways than one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, this is one of those very rare instances where Mrs. Hulcombs mentions her husband, right? And the brush,
0: like, like, was he, or was he not the brush salesman?
1: He was not the brush salesman. That's
0: right.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know we we we've figured out that they've been divorced because he was sent to prison for a very long time. Um, the fraud squad took him away. The fraud squad took him away, right? And apparently he could have used some Viagra or Cialis during the last days of their marriage. Yeah, poor Mrs. Slocum. Yeah,
0: maybe that's why she got so involved in her cat.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, Mr. Harmon is commenting that she doesn't really look a hundred percent. She's she's peaky but perky, right?
0: She's been gone for two weeks and everyone's missed her. And then they sing a song when she comes back. It's so sweet.
1: And she's been in hospital for three days. So all the men are dying to know what's happening. But Miss Brahms, "Oh, it's ladies things, right? It's some kind of like, uh, you know, uh, mysterious uh, gynecological problem. Yeah. Uh, So the men decide they're all going to go gossip. They're going to go try and uh, futz over the center displacement to get a better earful about it. Um, and so we hear the first part of the ladies' conversation. Oh, is that it? Well, what about your cat? The men move to the center of the display span, and then we get that three's company esque uh yes. a part of a conversation, right? And
0: then they move the center display unit closer,
1: <laughs> which is so right. cute. Right. <laughs> well, I'm not parting with it, but the surgeon took one look at it and said, That's got to go. And next thing you know, my pussy was in a basket on its way to Scotland. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Mrs. Slaughter. <Really>?
1: Um, we have a quick cut over to Mr. Rumbold's office where uh, he breaks the news to Captain Peacock that there's been a new retirement age scheme, uh, and that means that they're going to force Mrs. Slocum into retirement. Uh, Captain, uh, Mr. Rumbold asked Captain Peacock to break the news because he's somewhat tactless at these kind of matters, He finally as learned. learned in the last episode, <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: Jeez. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, it's interesting that the floor staff have – Essentially, I, and I don't know if this is a time thing from 1985 or if this is a UK thing. I would think these days, I, I'm almost certain it doesn't exist. But the idea that once you hit 63, let's say, I don't know,
1: or whatever the age was, yeah, you're forced um, into retirement. You yeah.
0: you will no longer have a job, and we'll give you some sort of you know severance or or pension or something. But remember, they're all in a union, right? Right. Yep. And She's been working there for a long time, and she gets some sort of retirement benefit. But like, if you're working at, I don't know, J C Penney, does that still exist? Sears,
1: <laughs> yeah, Maynard? I, I don't know. <laughs> Maynards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: really getting old there. Like, if you work there for thirty years, they can't just say, "Okay, you got to quit now. You're too old." No. At least in Grace Brothers, they say you know you'll get a nice package and you'll get like a pension or something. But doesn't exist these days, does it?
1: Yeah, that's, that's probably a UK thing and probably also a 1985 thing. Yeah. You know, I don't think that that would have flown in the States in 1985 either. Because when was the Age um, the Discrimination Act passed um, oh God, I have where no it, idea. it said that, you know, anyone over 40 is a protected class. And when you're laying people over 40 years old off, you have to take special precautions um, to make sure that there was no age discrimination, like, like like you have to reveal the if you're doing a mass layoff and there's at least two people aged forty in that group, you have to reveal the ages and the titles of everyone that's been laid off.
0: Oh, interesting! I didn't know that. Huh. Well, I definitely know um, that age discrimination is definitely a thing in the world. Like, I'm, oh, it's in, still in the a States, thing. Right. You know, if you speak to someone who is over forty or fifty or sixty, even. Um, and just say, like, you know, what is it like? And they'll share, like, oh, yeah, like, if I left this job, no one would hire me, you know?
1: I was just reading an article on BBC Today about um, a woman who got hired remotely for an office job during the pandemic. And now that she's, now that they're returning to the office, she finds that she doesn't fit in with the culture of her coworkers at all because she's, like 25, 30 years older than them. Yeah. And she's certain that if the re- the switch to remote working had never happened, she would have never gotten hired there.
0: Uh, so it gave her an entree into the position. It gave her an advantage. Because she yeah. wasn't, people weren't around noticing that she wasn't the same age. Wow. Right. Yeah. Interesting. That's a nice little experiment
1: there. Hm. Yeah. Um, we cut from Mr. Rumble's office down to the canteen and Mrs. Slocum whispers her condition to Mr. Humphrey's in confidence. <laughs> and he, he's surprised. Like, well, I had that too when I was a teen. So it's, it's we're learning that it's not really a gynecological condition. Yeah, it was weird that, she, that Brahms did that, right? It's kind of... Right. Well, it's maybe because what she heard. Maybe that's what Mrs. Axelby told her <laughs> to like, throw her off the, the scent. Yeah. Um, turns out that it's just an ingrown toenail. So, I mean, it's not really something like embarrassing. It's not like a boil on your bum.
0: <laughs> well, it's not exactly like... Cute, I guess. Right,
1: but like, also, why would you take two weeks off for an ingrown toenail? I have
0: you know, got the time. Do we <laughs> think
1: that? Do we think that Mrs. Silken was maybe milking it a little bit?
0: I would. <laughs> yeah. Let me go stub my toe, and I'll let you know. So,
1: uh, Captain Peacock lets the rest of the staff know that Mrs. Silken was going to be forced into retirement. Oh no! And they agree that they should be the ones to break the bad news to her. So, what they try to do is make out what a good idea it is to retire, right? Mm. Oh, I, w- I would stay up late and go to the pictures and have a lion every morning. I would practice my golf, etc. cetera. But um, Mrs. Sookum doesn't know what she would do with herself all day because this is her life. She loves the hunt of going after a customer and convincing them to buy the hat or the whatever it is. Yeah, she so, gets so
0: dramatic and... and, and um amazingly animated. Like, she. Yeah. I feel like I'm a tiger on the African savannah and I see a customer and then I pounce. Like, she yeah. gets... She feels like you're uh, in, an, in Richard Attenborough. David Attenborough?
1: David Attenborough. Attenborough.
0: <laughs> anyway, it was cute.
1: No, Richard is his brother. Easy mistake.
0: The um, old man in Jurassic Park. <laughs> that's right. That's who it was. Did you know that?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's cute. The canteen, the canteen manager is the one who breaks the news. Oh, it's oh, all. <laughs> It's all been around the store, love. I'm so sorry you've been sacked. <laughs> and she, Mrs. Huckam is incredulous at first. She doesn't believe it because, you know, what does, um, what does Diana Yarborough know? Like, and then yeah. realizes that the rest of her, her, her co-workers already know, and she's so upset. Hmm. And she's, she's going to fight for her job. You know, They'll never get anyone with my experience in underwear.
0: <laughs> and, of course, <laughs> it's, it's so funny that, like, uh, the manageress, Brokes, breaks the news and then of course in the episode where Captain Peacock has a boil on his bum it's Mr. Harmon walks in and is like hey everyone hey, hey Stephen how's the boil on your bum you know right. it's always someone who is seen as uh, one of outside. the classes that has a little bit less class and less uh, deference you know like
1: yeah someone who's a little bit what... more outside right
0: yeah so funny
1: then Mrs. Slocum remembers that when she joined, she put down her wrong age on her application form she, conveniently you know, And she makes up to look older. Because apparently, that was a thing that people used to do in those days, you know, that they would uh, lie about their age in order to join the army, or they would lie about their age in order to leave school and get a job. And there was no real way back then of um, verifying it. Yeah, like if you,
0: before like social security, digitalization, blah, 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 and even around the world, it right. wasn't that hard to sort of like fudge the number a little bit here and there, right? Because, right. you know, it's just the world's changed a lot. So that could have very well happened back then.
1: Yeah. So she heads out to the Peter Pan beauty parlor <laughs> where they could take years off you for 25 quid. <laughs> you know, Mr. Spooner says that's probably a down payment. You'd need to take another pound for every year they want to take <laughs> off of her, right? Miss um, yeah. Broms tries to sweet talk Captain Peacock into putting a good word for her to get the promotion by showing her suspenders or whatever. Oh uh, yeah! And Captain Peacock, you know, plays it off because she's never been too accommodating in the Christmas party with the tickler. So uh, we don't think that Cap- that Miss Broms is going to get the promotion uh, if Missus Slocum does leave. Right. Mister Rubble breaks the news that uh, Miss Featherston of Toiletries is going to be Missus Slocum's replacement. And Captain Peacock is surprised and says, "What well, that vinegary little spinster... Um, oh I think vine- I think vinegary is a great adjective to describe a person because you could just picture on the face the sour puss that that kind of person makes, right? It's also interesting that they use the word spinster. Like, I don't think we've yeah. heard
0: that on the show before. And how just the idea of an older woman who, you know, I don't know, who's over 30, <laughs> who isn't married is like such a horrible thing and then therefore... You know, she deserves scorn for that, right?
1: I mean, would Miss Broms be considered a spinster? Because she's graying, and she's not married either.
0: Yeah, and you know, this is 1985, and she's probably mid-40s by now, right? Something like, maybe even... Something like I that. I don't know. But I noticed in this episode, this is 1985, and um, she's got, like, crow's feet, you know, because years have gone by. It's like 1971, she was a very young woman, and now this is uh, 15 years
1: later or so? Well, 1972, so oh, okay. um, like 13 years 10, later. 10, 12.
0: Yeah. yeah, people age, especially, you know, yep. like we talked about in the very first episode when there's nothing to think about sunscreen and smoking, everyone smoked, and I think she did. So, yeah, Spencer, that's a weird word.
1: Yep. Do we think that Miss Featherston of Toyle Trees is related to Miss Featherston from the Little Hampton Landlady Association when uh, Mr. Granger used to vacation out there? <gasps>
0: Oh, my God, I don't remember that connection. Help me out.
1: Mrs. Ms. Featherston from the La La is going to get me barred if I don't keep my reservation. Remember? They all had to go on holiday together. What's the La La? <laughs> the, the Little Hampton Landlady Association. Oh, my God. I know, that's a deep cut, right? Whoa, L.A.
0: Little Hampton... Landlady Association (laughs) Lala. (laughs) We should come up with a stupid acronym for the show. So, if you have any stupid acronym ideas, you know, let us know.
1: Yeah. Mrs. Slocum comes back from the beauty salon wearing a blonde fall, a black and white leopard print dress with pink frills, and pink cowboy boots. She says it's the Dolly Parton look. They call this one the nine to five. I think you're running out of time there, dear.
0: Yeah, um, she has this very, uh, what's the word, usiquitous? I don't, I don't know, something. It's a very something wig. And I love how sassy, like you can tell, like she kind of has her arms up with her wrists flared. Like she almost like she does when she pretends to be a little girl.
1: Right. She's trying to play younger, but it just, <laughs> it's not looking. Like I think she would have been better going to the Way Out American Boutique. And picking something there.
0: She looked younger in that episode when she was at the Way Out
1: Boutique, I think. Yeah, I but
0: agree. It, of course, it was Dolly Parton was rocking the world at that time. So
1: that's true. She yeah, was just throwing true.
0: around all the young phrases that she knew. I think.
1: Yeah. So she's been up to personnel to correct her age, but then Mister Rumbled realizes that she's been given some raises in salary over the years due to her age. And, um, you know, if those shouldn't have been paid out <laughs> then she realizes, Oh, I'm going to make out worse than that. She says,
0: Oh, I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, again, yeah. this is a very European thing that just does not happen here in America where you get automatically a raise based on whatever age group you're in.
0: Yeah. Mm. Uh,
1: I know that that's very common in Europe that that's, you know, you're either granted additional money or like additional vacation time based on your age.
0: Yeah. I mean, the the idea of, I mean, that would almost, I mean, anti-discrimination comes to mind and you're, if you're giving money to someone because of their age, then that's sort of discriminated against people who aren't at that age. Right. But yeah, it's, it's really tricky. It's just a different mindset, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's true. So Mr. Rumble says that the decision to uh, make her retire is final, and I, but as a gesture, you could stay to the end of the week.
0: Mm. And she says,
1: predictably, well, may I make a gesture as well? And gives the <laughs> two-finger salute with a raspberry.
0: Oh, my gosh, quite the scandal. Uh, well, all of the scandalization has got me parched, and um, my high-quality twinings, great Earl Grey, has... Um, I could be Mrs. Slocum and say... There seems to be a problem with my glass. It's empty.
1: (laughs) Waiter. Well, why don't we head on down to the canteen for a tea break and get it refilled? Okay, we'll be right back.
0: Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon.
1: And this is Mr. Jeff.
0: Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous?
1: Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your
0: charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry
1: no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow, perfect for hiding your Paddington Bear.
0: We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course,
1: t-shirts.
0: But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear.
1: Support your favorite podcast with some That Doesn't Matter merch.
0: All at imfree.threadless.com
1: imfree.threadless.com And, and you've, you've all done, done very well. well. Mr. Brandon, what do you have down in the canteen?
0: Well, you know, um, because uh, Mrs. Slocum had the Dolly Parton look, it it got me thinking about Dolly Parton. And then I thought, you know, she was really good in steel magnolias. So um, I just decided to drink my juice shale base. So I had some orange juice. (laughs) That's all I had. Did you like that? Thank you. Thank you.
1: What did you have? I was also inspired by Dolly Parton, and I just had the melons. A lot of men seem to be inspired by Dolly Parton, but for some reason, not us. I don't... We, although we love
0: her, but not in that way.
1: Yeah. So, so it's where the, were It's the we? next day... It's the next day, and the staff come in to meet Miss Featherston. Mm. And it turns out that Mrs. Silkerman met with all of the department heads yesterday to get a new job. Um, because apparently it's just the department that has this new retirement age scheme, not the entire store. Oh, that's good. So she's the new cleaning lady, right? <laughs> um, you know, Mr. Harmon introduces her as our Betty, and she speaks with a Cockney accent. She's smoking. She has her
0: hair like tied up in a, a kerchief, and right. she's like.
1: She's got the smock with the dustbin around her neck. Yeah, and right. it's
0: so funny that, like, as ladies' intimate apparel, she speaks rather nobly. Right. As, as much as she can. And then now she's a, a cleaning staff. She's cockney and stuff.
1: Right. All right, brava. All
0: right, right. brava.
1: Yeah. Um, And she's. There's this bit of chewing gum on the floor that she can't remove with her mop so she just bangs it into the crack (laughs) with the handle. When
0: I was a kid this really stuck with me so whenever I would see maybe maybe you or the unanimous can relate but whenever I watched this as a kid (laughs) and then I was in a shopping mall or department store or something and I would see gum on the floor I would think oh I wonder if they like bang it into the crack (laughs)
1: Right No I know exactly what you're talking about because I thought about that too and I'm like I I don't understand how that makes it better, but I guess like so that someone doesn't get stuck on their foot.
0: I think maybe then it makes it easier to get off of the remaining. I I don't know. It's just a weird thing. And they say it twice, which makes it even more poignant. Right? Right.
1: (laughs) Right. Mr. (laughs) Rumbold thinks that it's unfitting that someone of Mrs. Slocum's age, who's been forced to retire from selling underwear is, you know, mopping around. So she, he tries to find her a desk job somewhere in the store but in the meantime, Miss Featherstone arrives um, and she's played by Joanna Dunham, who's better known for Van Vaak, which was a uh, British police procedural set in Amsterdam that was around in the 80s. So she would have um, been,
0: is that a D- British show or a Dutch show? It's a British show. British show. So yeah. um, is the right term Dutch or do, do people not get called Dutch?
1: No, Dutch is, yeah, there's no... I didn't want to get a nasty the right voicemail word. from
0: Henrika. <laughs> um, no, um, hi, Henrika. Um, yeah, so it was a British TV show. show. So th- people would have known who this woman was, right?
1: Um, they would have known who she... Well, Van Valk was after that. Oh, but I see, okay. They would have known her from, like, other things and around. Okay. But she was, Van der Valk was around for, like, three or four seasons, I think. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Um, the rest of the staff give her a very cold welcome. They're not happy that she's here. And while Miss Featherston is signing in, she directs Miss Brahms to take her coat and holds it out behind her. If you don't take it by the count of three, I shall make it like very difficult for you, right? Right. She, you know, she's very um, persnickety, and she is in charge, and she wants everyone to know. And her. She's
0: very. Um, she's behaving very rudely, and mm-hmm. with a great air of superiority, which of course happens in Grace Brothers, and you know a lot of the humor comes around from that. And it's funny because no one in the shop is really superior to anyone else but within that environment it feels like it, it, that's very important because that's all the that people have yep. but she's a different cut she really feels that she's superior to everyone else and
1: Including the customers.
0: Yeah, and including like she's in, again going to the idea of family and love. She's not in the family. She's outside, yep. and suddenly she's injected inside, and she's
1: replaced someone in the yeah, family. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Right?
0: And I also just want to say how sad is it? We, we haven't mentioned how sad it is for Mrs. Slocum to lose her job, and then she says um, that her whole life is going to the store, going to the, to work to with the people and working with the customers and stuff, and then this woman comes and replaces her, and she will do anything she needs to do just to continue to go to that store to work.
1: Well, apparently, we'll find out a little bit long that Miss Featherston did anything she could to get this job, because she got referred by her friend who is the head of accounts. And Mr. Rumbled is sucking up to the head of accounts because they're the people that decide the salary rises for upper managers. Right? (laughs) Um, so, anyway, Miss, Miss Featherston drops her fur coat on the floor. It lands in Mrs. Slocum's mop bucket, who like pounds it into the dirty water. <laughs> That's all right. If you got any other rubbish, put it Shook in my pocket. Right. Right.
0: And she runs away. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> um, she goes to complain to Mr. Rumbold, and then we find Mr. Slocum in her second job, washing windows. With her, with her regular
0: hair, by the way, I should, I should add.
1: With her regular hair, but the entire outfit with the overalls. <sighs> And the tiniest sponge ever <laughs> to wash windows
0: with, right? What they had on the BBC lot there, the, right. the floor. Yeah, we get
1: her speaking with the Cockney accent, smoking a cigarette. And then at the end, mark she her. says, "All right, boys, I'm done with
0: the top floor, whatever." And then yeah. she kind of goodbye, and Lower- she kind of says a regal wave as she slowly pulled away out of scene. Right. It's so cute. Lower- Low him down,
1: Henry. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. Exactly. <laughs> um, Back on the floor, we've got a customer trying on a hat, and we see how Miss Featherston treats the customers. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't sell hats that I don't like. Ooh. Right? And we, we, we're, we start to get, um, we think we're going to get, like, a little bit of a hint of our namesake, where she's going to tell the woman that the, cu- the hat suits her. But she ends up suggesting that the hat the customer had come in with.
0: Well, she says, oh, that does suit
1: madam, I think. Later. Later, later oh, okay. to, I'm to, jumping to, the the, to the other customer that comes. Got it, in, yeah. Right. Miss Featherston gets um, frustrated. She says, "Aggravating woman!" and pushes all the hats on the floor. Miss Brahms pick those up at once.
0: <laughs> this is a funny not, scene.
1: Not, not even a please because it's you. know, But she made the mess and now she's forcing Miss Brahms to clean it up. Yeah. As she goes to clean it up, Miss uh, Count Peacock asks her to uh, fix the center display unit. Right. <laughs> So we get a little bit of a wabbit season, duck season (laughs) moment where they're both pulling her into each direction. And finally, Captain Peacock says, may I remind you that, you know, I'm in charge of this floor. Uh, Ms. Phyllis says, well, I've got a very good senior friend who would want to know how she's getting on. So this is her first hint Mm. that she's connected, right? And Captain Peacock says, well, I'll tell him that you're doing your very best. (laughs) Right.
0: Well, it's very interesting. I always have this theory and let me know what you think. People behave the way in which they are permitted to behave, right? I mean, is that not a true statement? So if you go to a restaurant and there's, um, well, it's interesting to say that now with COVID, because if you fly on an airplane or you go into a restaurant, people have to make it extremely clear that if you go into a restaurant or whatever, you have to wear a mask, except when you sit down and when you leave the table, you have to put your mask back on or whatever. Um, it, it's it, I was going to say that if there are unruly customers in a restaurant or a, a situation in the world and that person is acting very badly that's because no one's ever said if you don't stop you're not getting served or something like that because mm-hmm. if that were to happen then they would stop, right? <laughs> but you can't do that these days because now you'll have like a boycott of your restaurant because of anti-vaxxers and all that bullshit.
1: Well, I just wonder how Mrs. Cumlosey ever tolerated the way that Mr. F- Miss Featherston was <gasps> behaving towards Gus. That's cartoons.
0: right, because they were colleagues. Although I think Mrs. Cumlosey was, was let go, right? She was she Very was let go for recently. My but
1: but I'm guessing that Miss Cum- Mrs. Cumlosey was Miss Featherston's boss at one point. <gasps> oh, the plot thickens. But then again, if we think about how Mrs. Cumlosey called Miss Silcom a silly old bitch, then maybe that's where she learned it from.
0: Maybe it's just something about working with talcum powder all day long that makes people <laughs> really mean. That's yeah. probably it.
1: Um, do, do we do we have to explain for the twenty five percent of our listeners who did not grow up on Saturday morning cartoons in the states what I meant by wabbit season and duck yes. season? Okay, go for it.
0: Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> shit. Uh, okay, Bugs Bunny, who, by the way, if you're an adult and you haven't watched Bugs Bunny in like 30 years, go and watch him now because it's so much more funny as an adult, I think. So that's my PSA. I think there's an episode of Bugs Bunny where he's saying it's duck season, not rabbit season because the hunter was coming get, coming to get him. And he had to say, uh-uh-uh, you can't hunt rabbits because it's duck season. So right. the, the, the hunter, um, Elmer Fudd, says, no, 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 it's rabbit season. And then Bug says, no, it's duck season. So they go back and forth, back and forth. And it's, they're like tearing down a sign song, on a tree. Right. And it. for some reason, there's like 50 signs of varying <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> types back and back. Alternating. And there's, all, there's like 50 alternating posters, duck season, rabbit season, duck season. For some reason, they just keep pulling them off. Did I do a good
1: job? Does that make sense yeah. to the
0: Dutch people? And
1: I think so, because I think that everyone's heard of. I think all you need to say was, like, Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd, and they would have p- figured it out. Now, that's yeah. a good question. Is there a Bugs Bunny podcast? Is there? A, there's got to be a Looney Tunes podcast, because isn't there a reboot? Didn't they reboot it, and now
0: yeah. it might not be
1: Saturday morning cartoons, but maybe it's, like, on Cartoon Network or something? You know who's know.
0: really funny just for a freebie is Witch Hazel.
1: Oh, when Beg's Bunny gets up and drags.
0: No, Witch Hazel is a witch that whenever she she laughs maniacally and she's wearing like little uh, Victorian boots, and whenever she runs, she like disappears with the bobby pins Pins flying around. It's so funny. Anyway, another podcast.
1: Um, We cut over to the canteen again, and the canteen manageress is sitting in the corner reading a paper. (gasps) Like, why isn't she serving? Why isn't she manageressing? Like, that's... (laughs)
0: Manageressing.
1: Miss Featherston isn't going to be joining the rest of the ladies and gents for lunch today because she's been invited into the executive dining room by the head of (laughs) accounts. So we learn who her friend is, and they all quickly put two and two together, why Rumbled gave her the job, right? So the staff cook up a ruse to figure out, to find Miss Featherston the worst customer ever, so she'll lose her temper and get fired, right? Okay. Because uh, Mr. Humphreys is, is positing this question. What would happen if she were to lose her temper with a customer? And Captain Peacock says, well, the customer is always right. And I think this goes back to what you were saying before about how um, people will behave how they're, uh, how they're allowed yeah. to behave, you know, especially customers. And there's, there's, a very, there's a false pretense of um, customer service these days in terms of the, the, this concept of the customer is always right. The original saying was, the customer is always right in matters of taste. And that was with respect to when you would, when you'd go to a a shop and people would have to serve you and like bring you the clothes, or you'd go to a restaurant and order the food you want to be cooked It they could recommend to you a matching outfit, like what top would look good with what skirt or what wine to pair with that steak. But if the customer wanted to choose something else, I'm going to have red wine with my fish. I'm going to have a striped top with that plaid um, skirt. You let the customer buy what they want, right? You don't, you don't interfere and say, no, that doesn't go. You can't have it. If the customer wants it and wants to pay for it, let them buy it. Not let the customer do whatever they want.
0: So it's interesting you say that because just recently I've um – I found that the idea of American customer service, and when I was in the UK, you know, I would call customer service and, you know, everyone was pleasant and nice and stuff. But I've heard from my international friends that they tell me that the idea of American customer service is, um, oh, you know what, hey, my cell phone's not working. Um, And the person will say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Well, that's really terrible. Let me do all that I can to to fix it. You know what? I'm going to give you 10% off for for tomorrow. I'm so sorry. Right? right? Like, take it personally. But then I've spoken to customer service uh, in Canada and a couple of other places, and I don't want to say they were rude. They weren't rude. They were pleasant. But the idea of oh my god, I'm so sorry. I I really apologize. Like, let me see what I can do and bend over backwards. Of course. They might not be. They might just be saying that. But it's important for, like, the American customer service experience. Of course, I've kind of worked in this field a little bit to really empathize and make them feel like because you're representing the company, blah, blah, blah. But there's also this idea that that seems to be kind of a uniquely American thing. And I'm speaking very generally here, of course. But have you ever noticed that because you're – you're a worldly man, Mr. Jeff.
1: Well, that's probably because in other countries when something is genuinely wrong and you complain, it gets fixed the first time. Hmm. Whereas I feel in the States there is it doesn't automatically get fixed the first time. Sometimes it's not the right you're not speaking to the right person who has the ability to fix it and you have to speak to five tiers of customer service to get hmm. to the right person to fix it. Or, or, or whatever reason. And that's why they, there's this, this culture of how do we retain the customer, right? How do we go about making sure that we building this relationship between the brand and the customer that they want to stay with us, that they're not going to go choose someone else.
0: Because if they have a problem, they have to go through it five different ways to get a resolution,
1: right? Like if you think of like, there is one. There is one telecommunications company that is very well known here in the
0: States. I like how you're being vague um, to protect the innocent.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they, while they have the superior product in terms of um, connectivity, um, they are notoriously most expensive and they are notoriously bad at their customer service. The brand speaks for itself is the way that they try to put it. And, uh, you know, they don't say it in so many words, but that's their approach to it. Mm. as you know, let the product speak for itself. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah,
0: the idea of the customer is always right. Yeah. Sorry, Karen, you're not always right. That's all I'm going to say.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mr. Rumbolt can't get a seat in the executive dining room today uh, because his chair is being occupied by a guest of the member of accounts. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So he's eating in the canteen, and then we see Betty in her third job of the day. Uh,
0: but this is really cute because she comes out and she's like wearing her nasty penny, I would call it. Yep. And uh, it's got stains all over it. And then she's speaking. <laughs> she's speaking and in th- an Italian accent.
1: Right. Smoking a cigarette again while she's serving the food or cooking the food. <laughs> Uh no steak, I cannot recommend the root bob and the toad has jumped out of the hole. The
0: toad <laughs> has jumped out of the hole.
1: Um she is wearing a chef's toque. Uh and much like her supervisory frills, the height and the number of pleats in the hat represent the seniority in the kitchen.
0: Ah, so a toque is the chef hat, I guess.
1: Is the chef's hat, yeah.
0: Ah, so did she have seniority or no?
1: She did have seniority because she was wearing a very high hat that had very many pleats. Ooh, in it. okay. It was very interesting, right? So, if
0: she wasn't asked so, to cut some off, then that's good.
1: Right. <laughs> so, we get back to the floor, and Humphreys comes back in drag. Um, I said that he looked like Faye Dunaway as John Crawford, and you said that he looked like Tootsie, and I think that you're right. I think he looks more like Tootsie than he does. Yeah, um, Joan Crawford, I mean, if you've but... seen,
0: so Tootsie is if you've not seen it, it's a movie from like I don't know, 1983, something like that, 84. Around
1: around this time, yeah, yeah, and
0: so it would have been contemporary, and it's Dustin Hoffman can't get a, can't get work as an actor. So, it becomes right. an actress and dresses in drag to become an actress. And somehow, like, I think she, like, I'll use she for her for her pronoun, somehow works in, like, a, a TV station and becomes, like, a news reporter or something. So, like, kind of out there in the world and everyone sees her. And then, of course, the funny right. thing is, like, well, I'm actually a man and what do you do and like... You're with a woman, and she's sexy, and you, he's attracted to her, but she's actually dressed up as a woman. One of those silly kind of gender things. that, Right. You know. um, but it's funny because back in the 80s, if you remember, women would have quite short permed hair. hmm And, you know, sometimes people would have quite red hair. So if you look at, like, a cheap kind of wig... Like a short bob haircut wig, mm-hmm. it would actually look quite authentic because a lot of women would have hair like that.
1: That's right. True. Yeah. So, like,
0: a lot of times when you wear see, like, a really cheap wig on, like, for a Halloween costume or something, it kind of looks like that haircut that Mr. <laughs> Humphreys had in the scene. Uh, and also, that's kind of the haircut that Tutsi had because that was kind of de rigueur, if you will.
1: Oh, well, that's just a, <laughs> just a façon de parler. Just a façon de parler. Um, <laughs> but I think also the way that he was painted, right? The way that he like th- this was definitely not just throw some lipstick and rouge on. Yeah. Like they definitely did some early generation contouring <laughs> to like change his face <laughs> well, I, a little
0: bit. I, I think this is pantomime. At least
1: the sh- at least the shape of his eyes, right? Yeah,
0: and, and the 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 lips were overdrawn, kind of like a drag queen would do. Yeah. Like they draw over the actual lip line on the top. Um, yeah. This is the gayest thing we've ever said in this episode. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about stroking and Cuthbert Rundle earlier. Um, <laughs> we're using that explicit tag on this one. Uh, yeah, but I, I love how the people who made the show recognize John Emmons can do panto. Um, pantomime is a, such a British cultural thing where he would always dress up as Mother
1: Goose or as the dame, the dame yeah.
0: or something. Yeah, so... Really cool. And of course, I think he looked quite chic in this outfit. The black yes, and white you know, feather going opposite sides on her hat and coordinating with the bl- the lovely dress,
1: black and white and brown. As Blanche, the wife of the MP, he was not very dowdy. He looked like the wife a, of an MP, you know, the wife of an MP, right? Very much the part.
0: Blanche and he, said, go and buy you something that suits your fancy. So here I, whatever
1: are. tickles your fancy, right? <laughs> um, and he is doing his best to be the cantankerous customer, right? <laughs> what kind of fur is that? Well, don't tell me you don't know. And well, I'm just looking for the ticket. Like he's pushing all of her buttons. This price is two thousand five hundred and forty-two pounds and twenty-two pence. A snip. I love it. A snip. Right. <laughs> uh, he walks away when she brings the coat over. He's trying on all the hats, and this is where Miss Featherston said. Oh, that hat does suit Madam's face, ah, right? that's But we only get Madam's it once. Madam's
0: face. Okay, we get, a, we get a ding for that. Oh, that does suit right. Madam's face.
1: But we only get one of them. We don't get the repeating, all oh, your needle's stuck in the I still right?
0: hold this true, that we should have called this, oh, that does suit Madam. But I can be flexible. I do yoga every week. <laughs> it's okay. I don't hold a grudge.
1: So Ms. Featherston has suggested um, uh, 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 the coat the hat. And then she finally suggests a handbag. A handbag. And Blanche is scandalized. Okay. That she would ask so for this.
0: we this. So we cheated on you, Unanimous. We talked about this briefly before we started recording. We don't understand... What the hell's going on? Okay, first of all, she's the wife of an MP, you know. My husband's an MP. He sits down all the time. So walking in the so park she, is good for him.
1: So she's the, of the quality. Of the
0: quality. So
1: we we had first thought that maybe quality don't carry handbags. They carry purses or something or else. Or like right? a little that, that's clutch a very...
0: thing that's like super small. Because I said, I know the Queen and Prince Charles and Prince Prince William, whoever... They do not
1: carry money. They don't carry cash. Right. They don't need to.
0: Right, because they have people who could supply anything they need. I know that... I mean, she's on the
1: money. She doesn't need to carry (laughs) it.
0: Well, I know that the queen carries a handbag, but it's quite a thing that she does. And I think she does it because she needs to communicate to her handlers. Right. If I put it on the floor, that means I'm ready to go. If I carry it, that means I'm happy. Blah, blah, blah. And it's really cool. You can Google what she carries in her handbag. And one of the things is like this little tube of hand cream that's like regular stuff. Um, She carries lipstick, which is plain lipstick, nothing crazy. Okay. And like tissues. And it's just like little old lady purse stuff, right? Right. Um,
1: See, I, I thought it was more like a lunch dinner thing. Like it was what word... The quality you would oh. use versus what were the lower class. So she wouldn't call would it a
0: handbag, but she would call it um,
1: a purse a, or something else. I don't know.
0: Yeah. So I, well, now that the queen, we we know that she carries a handbag. I was thinking, if you're of the of the quality, you don't carry a handbag, or because you have someone right. carrying your stuff for you. But
1: I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. So British people, please explain the joke to us. Get in touch with us at six six two peacock six six two seven three two. Oh God, do I know the number by heart? No, I don't know the number by heart. Just listen to the
0: podcast. Six six two
1: Peacock. Six, 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 right. Pe- yeah.
0: So because she says a handbag, because, as if it's like an insult that it was even suggested to right. her. So right. yes, we don't know if it's a UK thing because we don't, we are not from there, or if is it like a nineteen sixties fifties thing? Maybe I don't know. And of course, if you yeah. Google anything about rich people and handbags, you just get a bunch of Birkin shopping, shopping right. Gucci ads. So who knows? That's a good one.
1: So Blanche, the wife of the MP, tries on a kerchief. It's very Mrs. Thatcher, though. Uh, my husband wouldn't like it. He's down the middle, you know. Mm. Uh, and Ms. Brahms retorts, I thought he would be. So we got <laughs> a lot to unpack here. Um, so our... our our hypothesis about there being a libel law about not being able to mention politicians on the BBC is wrong oh, because right. we're saying her by name. Because every right?
0: other episode, Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, twice. Um, who else? Anybody else?
1: They, 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 they mouth the word. or they say talk the name. around. It. I
0: wonder if it's considered right. kind of declassé or goes yeah, gauche a trifle gauche to, to say, because I remember in the episode where they all go to 10 Downing street to, like, put their case to the floor about something, which is crazy. Right,
1: which is, like, two or three episodes ago. Yeah,
0: um, they didn't say his name, but they refer to him as he. He said, oh, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Slocum, you spoke to him, and he's very happy. And I've noticed that, like, when they do that with the queen, they don't say the queen, they just say she. She's very happy. Right. She really liked this. She really liked that. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's something there. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. There's, there's uh, no then, such thing and we were making it up.
1: <laughs> right. And then the, the down the middle joke, you know, it's, uh, you know, on one hand, he is not as far right politically as Ms. Thatcher. He's more centrist, but also it's a, it's a, it's a sexuality. Bisexuals right. is hilarious hilarity.
0: Yeah, um, I'm curious though. I know that the, uh, the majority party sits on one side of the lectern Mm-hmm. And or not the lectern, but where the 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 seat is in the House of Parliament. Ladies
1: and gentlemen, right.
0: and gentlemen. And then the uh, opposition party sits on the other side. But I wonder if within those sides of the Parliament of the House of Commons, is there like the more liberal people sit at the front, and then the more conservative? Well, no, no, that the, doesn't make sense, does it?
1: It's it's the more prominent members. That's right. Will sit towards the That's front, right. and then. If you're from like Ashby Dela Zouch or like some tiny little like constituency, you're all the way up the okay. back. All right. Yeah. So Blanche is looking at all the items. You know, it's a day coat and those are night gloves and this is sort of tea time. I, you know, I I, I don't, it doesn't go. I won't take it. And so. Including that 2,500
0: um, pound. The 2500 pound of commission that oh, she was about right. to get. Yeah.
1: So uh, Miss Featherston tells her, oh, okay, so you're not taking the scarf then. And Blanche gets further annoyed. I'll take what I like. You mind your business. Ooh. Putting her in her place that, you know, she's the customer and she's um, uh, she's the one who's supposed to be served here. Right. Finally, Miss Featherston loses her temper and says, oh, take it off, you stupid old <gasps> woman. Oh,
0: dear. So, so you know what it was? She was finally put in her place, which never happens.
1: Yep. Yeah. And so Captain Peacock comes over to her inspector. Oh, Is there the problem, madam? And Miss Featherston compla- uh, finally says she's going to leave and go back to toiletry. She's had it working in this department and with these stupid customers. And Blanche tells her, well, while you're there, powder your nose, dear. It's <gasps> shiny." Oh, that was. That, my children, is what we would call a reed And shade. reed,
0: reedy shade. I love it. Um, and I love how um, Rumbled comes back. And this is, I, I here, laughed out loud. He
1: hears the fracas. Yeah, yes. w-
0: what's going on here? And then, of course, Mrs. Featherston's gone. And Rumbold says, you know, what's going on? And then Blanche, uh, John Inman, Mr. Humphreys, puts on a hat really quickly. And then he says, he I'm never coming here again. And I'm telling all my friends. And as he's doing it, he's lowering. Of course, Mr. H- Mr. Uh, Rumbold is looking, trying to figure out who this person is. And because he's dressed very fancily, fancifully. And um, she keeps, like, lowering her hat so that he can't see. So he's lowering, lowering, lowering. And then Rumbled is lowering, too, to try to see who it is. And I just burst out laughing. It's so cute to see it. And then she runs away. For some reason, hikes up (laughs) up her skirts.
1: (laughs) Just to reveal the direct war knickers. Right, right? and of course, I have
0: a theory. And of course, what's so cute is that Mr. Humphreys slash Blanche dashes up the stairs and he does this thing where if you want to make fun of a man who's dressed in women's clothing make them walk like an ogre like right not a woman or man but just like really wide stance and that's what he does as he dashes darts up the stairs he has a really wide but here's
1: the thing that's also how mrs slocum goes up the stairs which
0: makes it funny i think but you're right but it's interesting what would what would be funnier i think is if he was wearing like jockey shorts
1: Oh, instead, instead of white white fronts, instead of directoire knickers, or it says, yeah. back
0: off on the butt, like from the first a couple episodes, right. yeah,
1: the novelty <laughs> knickers. So the whole reason that Rumbled came out to the floor in the first place is there's been a change to the retirement scheme. It also includes um, middle management and upper oh, management. No. So now they're both in the scheme. Rumbled says we've got to cut off the rot where it starts. I'm going to say that. Mrs. Slocum is indispensable, and get her job Yay. back. So the staff are cheering. It, it, it worked. Not only did we get rid of Miss Featherstone, but now we've got our Miss Slocum back. So the next day, she comes back, and they sing her another version of the song. Do you, can you sing it for us? Oh
0: boy, put me on the spot, people. Um, I don't know it, I, but it's it very similar to the to the original song.
1: Good morning, Mrs. Slocum. Something, something. uh, and "And now we've got you back okay right sweet
0: i think people Um, should sing at their co-workers more often
1: (laughs) uh cuthbert and steven have not been so lucky because now mr rumbold is a lift operator and captain peacock is a cleaner
0: and then he walks down and of course we have to have that silly joke again which confounded me maybe you it may be you unanimous um,
1: bang the gum in the crack yeah like yeah.
0: oh there's some, you forgot some gum and then he's trying to clean it and then Mrs. Slocum who is now well versed in the art um, you have to bang it in the crack with your with your handle, love and he does and that's the end and that's the and end. I love how Captain Peacock is wearing the quintessential um, 1970s British like workman's outfit a
1: right. full he's suit got, he's got th- right the full the full suit and then he's got the overcoat on top of that with the um, golf cap.
0: Yeah. And I, I don't think work folks have to wear... I think these days, everyone who's, like, working has, like, one of those iridescent vests, which is safety. The things. Yeah. But viz. Yep. Um, yeah, it was cute to see both of them <laughs> rumbled as the lift operator, um, like, reading out gents' ready-made suits, shirts, tops... Hats, whatever, and then you right. see Captain Peacock hiding behind him, and he exits the elevator, the lift, and says, uh, and goes down. And you know, it's really a cute episode. What do we think? Do they still love each other? Is it still the ex the outer drama coming from the outside world affecting them from the inside? Do they know Absolutely. that it's, it's the end coming?
1: Absolutely. You know, they are all banding together to save Missus Silkum's yeah. job or to get her job back including Mr. Rumbled at the very end. You know, so I think it is. Um, I think what was also really cute was if you watch all the way through the end credits when they show John Inman, they show him as both Mr. Humphreys and Blanche in a side-by-side, Patty Duke-style, traveling mat um, uh, uh, visual. So I thought that was also really cute.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was, I was struck by, especially Wendy Richard, like when the camera showed her, She was so happy. I mean, I I kind of wondered. That's why I asked the question at the beginning of the episode. Did they feel that this is the last season? Because for something about... If you go and watch the episode when it shows Wendy Richard, there she is, she's just beaming. uh, Her smile is ear to ear. And it just seemed like... I wonder if that day they were like, you know, it's fun to be back with these people that we have fun with. Making, you know, another series of this TV show. And i don't know maybe they're getting a little nostalgic like it was two years since we last came together i wonder why it took two years that's interesting maybe well john yeah. was off in australia doing stuff i don't know
1: well you know it could also be that she was smiling because she was getting ready for um her new job that would be starting in a few weeks as um pauline fowler on east house <gasps> oh Oh, so which start which which started pretty closely after season ten. So ended. we that's
0: yeah. right. That's a whole thing we can talk about. Is that maybe not this episode, but she
1: that does suit Albert's hair yeah, exactly. Doo, 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 doo.
0: Oh no, that's a co- that's Coronation Street. That's sorry, sorry, street. UK people.
1: Doo, doo, doo,
0: doo. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so she was on Are You Being Served and starting a multi-decade role on EastEnders. So I yeah. think most people would probably ask the question thirty years ago, forty years ago. People were like, "Oh yeah, she's Miss Brahms from Are You Being Served?" But these days, Pauline. Yeah, Fowler. I think especially that's these days, were people were like, "Oh, that's Pauline Fowler from EastEnders." So
1: well, she 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 was in the very first scene um, of of EastEnders, like the, the whole the. Um, One of the opening story arcs is that she's a 40-year-old woman with two children who are, I think they were teenagers. And she found out that she's pregnant later in life. And in the very first scene, she's sitting in the doctor's office waiting for the results when someone comes to get him because there's an emergency. That old man, what's-his-face on the other side of the square, fainted. So she was one of the very first story arcs about this 40-year-old woman getting pregnant and giving birth and raising a small child later on that's in
0: awesome Uh I had no idea yeah. that the t- two shows overlapped like that huh well we'll have to maybe discuss that a little bit further maybe next episode but I mean this is kind of a cool uh first episode of season 10 like how there's yep. like what six episodes left right there's not a lot
1: not not very many yeah. no not so much uh, Mr. Brander, what are we talking about next week? Probably how you're being served, but more specifically.
0: <laughs> um, grounds for divorce, where Mrs. Peacock suspects, again, that Captain Peacock is cheating. It's sort of like, oh, okay, we got to do something, folks. You know, we've we got the game back together. Uh, let's have a cheating episode about Captain Peacock. We've only had a couple of those already.
1: Right. Right. But I, I think we've got to go through all of the hits one last time. Yeah,
0: like it's, it's their, what's the thing when you hit a home run and you run around the bases really slowly, and then you do another l- lope around... What's that called?
1: Victory, victory lap.
0: lap. Yeah, this is... Season 10 is their victory lap. Um, I hope I hear Mr. Humphrey saying, I'm free a lot. Um, I hope Mrs. Slocum gets drunk a lot more. Um, yeah, we're coming down to the end. And I yeah. we talked about it before, and I think it'd be kind of fun to mention here. Um, at the end of the series... At the end of the last episode where we hear Chanson de Moule. Rat. I think that should be a rule. Anytime we say that, we have to say rat Oh absolutely. <laughs> but, oh, come on. but I think it'd be really cool because we've we've spoken to so many cool, awesome uh, I sound very American, uh, awesome, cool, really nice Amazing. listeners to the podcast. Um, around the world. Um, Henrique Henrika was our first international um, well, we also heard from some folks, uh, a nice gentleman up in Scotland, uh, whose name escapes me. We have loads of folks in the states, uh, folks around the world, and it's been a pleasure, kind of exploring this episode of Are Being Served with all the other ones with everyone and get all of your and all of your feedback and questions and voicemails and stuff. So, I think it'd be really cool to do an episode where we focus the entire podcast on people's impressions of the show and memories of it and um we would love to ask the unanimous to really be a part of it we've played voicemails and stuff in the in the past but i think for that episode it'd be really cool to like really focus and feature the the unanimous what do you think jeff
1: i think that's a great idea you know please um you know Think about uh, think about what this show has meant to you, um, not not our podcast, but what the TV show "Are You Being Served?" has meant to you, and um, give us a call, and we'll play them all back in one of our uh, final episodes of the main series.
0: Yeah, I think it's really cool to like spend this special time during COVID pandemic and stuff, it, but even before then, to um, really give respect to our this show that we all love, and there's not a lot of people who like it, so. As we've talked ad nauseum, when you find someone who loves are you being served, you have so much to talk about with them, right? Um, so it'd be cool to kind of focus on that. And a podcast—it's not just Jeff and I yammering on. Well, a lot of times it's me yammering no. on. How dare you! But um, it really is cool that we have really built a community, and that's kind of what podcasts are all about. It's building a community of people who share a topic or whatever. But you know, we have learned a lot of. Cool details about this, the folks who listen. So I think Jeff and I wanted to dedicate the last ep- the episode after the last episode of the uh, of the show um, to the community. And so it's several episodes away in the future. But if you want to send us a voicemail, talk as much as you want. We can edit it down. But what questions do you think would be cool to hear people specifically answer? I think one would be tell us what are you being served mean to you like why do you have it as a special place in your life so yeah um what is the way for us to have these lovely people contribute to that special episode mr jeff
1: well unanimous if you don't know by now i'm <laughs> going to tell you that you can get in touch with us on facebook <laughs> or twitter or write us an old-fashioned email at that doesn't madam and that's spelled with an E. At gmail.com. Or you can call the Peacock Hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. And while you're at it, go grab some merch at the Bargain Basement Shop at imfree.threadless.com.
0: Fabulous. And also, um, as our friend
1: Henrika
0: in the Netherlands did, uh, if you don't live in the States and you want to leave us a voicemail, just record an audio file on your iPhone or thingy.
1: And, yeah, and, mail it and to email us. it to
0: us. That's what she did, and it worked fabulously. So thanks for that. And with that, Mister Jeff, as always,
1: you've you done very well. well. So by unanimous. Bye, Bye. bye. <laughs> that does, Madam, is not
0: endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? The setting of arbitrary age limits, regardless of potential for job performance, may work. to at disadvantage of older persons. <laughs>